0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
1: Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. Later, Nate Klaus will join us here as we'll talk some Husker football recruiting, but uh, we're going to go basketball heavy. We haven't heard a lot um, regarding the Nebraska basketball team since the season ended since college basketball ended, but um, assistant basketball coach Matt Abdelmazi was gracious enough to to want to wanna come on and, and join us and, and, and just talk about all sorts of things here. So, uh, first of all, we want to welcome in Coach right away. Coach, uh, thanks for taking some time here. I know it's got to be a really different time for all you guys.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, clearly right now is – A unique time for um, everyone, specifically, I guess, my profession, coaches that are all just sitting at home with not much to do and, um, you know, working the phones and just trying to stay a step ahead and and continue to uh, improve the program. So definitely a unique time, but, you know, happy uh, to be on with you guys.
3: Well, hey, Matt Robin here. I guess, um, you know, like Sean mentioned, uh, we haven't really got a chance to catch up with you guys uh, formally since uh, basically the, the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, maybe just looking back on uh, these crazy past few weeks, uh, can you just kind of put into perspective the, the whirlwind uh, that that, um, you know, that, that trip to Indy and obviously leading up to that and then everything that went on on the court, you know, with tournaments getting canceled as you're out in Indianapolis, all that stuff. I mean, is has it really settled yet about just how wild of a time that was?
2: You know what? Um, no, it really hasn't because I think, a time like this that we're all going through puts things in perspective that when you see, um, deaths all across the country, people losing their jobs, each of us have somebody that has been affected by this. Um, you know, for me, a lot of people in my life have been affected by it being a New Yorker, Mm -hmm. um, internally in my house, we're affected by it with my wife being a healthcare professional. Um, friends of mine in new york that i grew up with losing their jobs so right now the perspective of that is clearly the dominant feelings and emotions that you know personally i would be going through if i sit there and reflect i mean clearly what a whirlwind of a year that we had um tomorrow will be a year that uh we walk through the doors (laughs) at nebraska and if you told me that's how the year would go with all these events and, and would culminate with what we experienced in Indianapolis, I would have said, you're an idiot. There's no way that, you know, something like this would even happen to us. Uh, and it did. And it was rough um, on the court. It was rough. You know, it wasn't easy for anybody. It wasn't easy for the players. It wasn't easy for the staff, you know, not that we need any sympathy. No one feels sorry for you when you're going through it, but you know, even as much prepared as we were to go through it, it still sucks when you're in it Um, because you want – you're dying for your guys. You're dying for them to figure it out and and close a game out and just have that winning emotional feeling that they all deserve because they work so hard to put themselves in positions. We weren't able to break through and, and clutch certain times that would put us in the position to win a game. You know, and then we go travel to Indy and it was just so bizarre. Um, everything was so new at that time. You know, we didn't know at that time what we know now about um, the coronavirus. And there was so much fear. I know for me personally, you know, Fred is more of a friend than he is a boss. And there was a lot of fear for me. I mean, just because he has a lot of underlying health issues. Um But luckily, you know, everything got cleared up. Um, There was clearly a lot of fear in that locker room. Um, You know, luckily for me, I was able to communicate with him and and his wife, who was with him, and get updates as things were going on. And it it always seemed pretty optimistic that everything was going to be okay. And, And luckily it was. And then we come back home and, you know, it's pretty much lockdown mode since then.
1: We're joined by Matt Abdelmasi here, Nebraska basketball assistant coach on the Husker Online Show. And, Coach, let's go back to that moment on the bench. I mean, the, the coronavirus story had just hit the NBA I believe pulled the plug on their season right as you guys were playing uh, that game. And then all of a sudden the cameras see coach Hoiberg sweating and and not feeling well. And he becomes the story of the coronavirus on Twitter. Everybody in the country is talking about what coach Hoiberg and is he infected? Does he have the virus? Did you, were you guys made aware of any of that as that was all going down and, and how did that go about for Fred to make the decision to say, you know what, I got to go to the locker room. I can't be out here any longer.
2: Well, we knew uh, during the game, I don't know, remember who exactly told us, it might've been at halftime of our game that the NBA shut everything down. You know, I think that's when things set in that this is real. I mean, this isn't something to take lightly whatsoever. Um, You know, it's just having that um, I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but I'll use arrogance that, you know what, this, this isn't going to happen to me. It's like someone not wearing their seatbelt. Well, I, I I can get away with it. I'm not going to get in a car accident. It's not going to happen to me. I'll be safe and fine. And I think that's probably what the mindset of that early um, events with the coronavirus, you know, specifically with Fred, you know, he, I'll let him speak on it specifically the events that led up to him coaching. But I mean, clearly I know and can say in confidence, he would never put anybody in harm's way, let alone himself in harm's way with, everything he has to battle daily with his own health issues. Um, You know, I think there was part not feeling well, but I think the dominant reason why he looked that way is, man, it's just like Groundhog Day every day, the culmination of the season, you know, just the wear and tear. And it's like you're not feeling good and have that on top of it. And I think everyone saw an up-close, and personal view of, of what that looks like with his head being down and clearly not looking well um, you know when he was removed from the court you know it is what it is you can go back and forth on on how um, that got to be but you know luckily the bottom line is it doesn't matter what events took place he, he was safe and, and uh, out of harm's way and that's all that matters.
3: All right. So you guys go through all that. Um, you finally get back home. Like you said, it's kind of been on shutdown mode since then. Um, what is the current situation going on? How many guys are still on campus and what, as a staff, are you guys able to do with the, the players and how are you keeping you know, tabs on everybody? Just um, kind of wh- where do things sit right now, given the circumstances?
2: Um, well, for us, all our players are not in Lincoln minus Matt take average. He's actually going to fly home tomorrow. So he will leave Lincoln tomorrow uh, because he was originally clearly going to stay here. And, you know, as things transpired, going to go back home. So um, he'll be the last player. Everybody else is gone. Um, There isn't a player here in terms of communication. We're just trying our best, you know, with school starting back up. Academics is the focus right now. So just daily checkups, you know, group message with the players, following up on things that are due. Uh, Me and Fred did a um, FaceTime call with the entire team on Monday just to reiterate the importance of the start of school and reiterate the importance of trying to find a way to treat their body um, the right way just because, you know, they're sitting at home. A lot of them don't have access to gyms, of course, um, you know and clearly shouldn't be in a gym um, and then when it comes to just overall you know business as usual, I would say that when it comes to the recruiting world it, it's somewhat business as usual um, you know it nothing's changed for me other than I don't live on airplanes, which my wife is ecstatic about that I'm home you know we're not one of those couples that are struggling with seeing each other every day, so I'm certainly fortunate and blessed for that. That we're not uh, getting on each other's nerves, <laughs> and you know, just 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 on the just on the phone a lot, and you know, clearly have had success, and um, up to this point, you know, continuing to improve the program. I feel confident that we'll continue um, with that in a short time, and on adding guys that we feel are going to take this place to another level, and um, you know, that's where. Luckily for me, this time of the year is, is somewhat where I feel like I've always thrived and being established in this type of environment where there's so many uh, pieces moving, it's a revolving door, you know, that's, that's something I've always prided myself on and trying to be a step ahead. And, you know, fortunately, this hasn't affected me um, to the point where it's, it's stopped me from being successful and doing my job.
1: Matt Abdelmazi joining us here on the Husker Online Show. We're going to hear m- more from Coach. i uh, got to take a quick break, but you're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. as we're uh, continuing our conversation here with Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi, coach. Um, you know, we've kind of picked up on a lot of topics, but I, I wanted to go right to roster management. And a, as you kind of yeah. build this team going forward and the direction you want to take it, obviously you had a lot of sit-out guys. You're bringing in a lot of immediately eligible transfers for next year as well as uh, different levels of recruits. Um, just give us an idea of kind of where you're at right now in the big picture of getting this roster ready for 2021.
2: Yeah, I mean, the state of college basketball – is a, a revolving door you know and I know as a fan it can get frustrating because you're trying to keep up on all the movement but you know one thing to point out if you, if you follow college basketball closely is it's going on at every program in the country Uh it's just the culture of where we're at today it's 2020 you know it's it, it, you can't be looking and comparing it to where college basketball was at 10, 15 years ago. This is just the way it is. It's the new norm, and you have to embrace it, and you have to do your job and try and be out ahead of it. For us, and for me specifically, um, it's always what I've done. When I started at Iowa State our first year to now, um, the spring has always been an opportunity to find ways to improve your roster. And, and the transfer route has always been something that i pride myself on, on trying to be a step ahead and uh, taking kids that have been through it before, taking kids that are humbled in a, in a different type of way that it didn't work out the first time. And now, you know, their backs against the wall and they have a lot to prove uh, clearly you're getting a more mature kid. Um, and that's not to be, Uh, critical of taking a freshman. I mean, we, we've taken our fair share of freshmen. I've gotten some really talented freshmen in my career and we'll always continue to recruit freshmen. You know, we're involved with um, a bunch now and we'll always be, but you know, I'll never go away from what I know works and I'll always stand uh, my ground on the fact that transfers um, have always correlated to a lot of success for myself and, and where I've been, and this, this time of the year is critical for that um, in terms of where we're at as a roster. I mean, right, right now um, we're in a position where we'll look to um, add a few more pieces. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the transfer rules, um, you know, whether they allow these kids to play immediately, whether they have to sit out whatever it may be, you know, we'll be prepared for, but, you know, we're very, very, very excited about the team that's been assembled up to this point on flipping this thing um, to head in the direction that, you know, uh, we were all brought here to head it towards.
3: Yeah. So with that, I mean, obviously with the guys that are on board, you know, on scholarship that you can talk about um, what maybe are some of the things that have you and, the staff most excited I know there's been a lot of optimism about you know what this next season could be especially compared to last year what kind of has you feeling optimistic about um how things can make a pretty good 180 next season
2: yeah I mean there I hope there's optimism when you only win seven games you know I, I hope that I <laughs> hope I hope that that's the uh the ground floor so you you take it from there but you know the the optimism comes with the fact that you know you constantly hear and have heard the, the word size. It's brought up constantly and, you know, rightfully so. You know, when you're given the keys to the car and, you know, you, you don't really have any wheels on it and your engine's messed up and, you know, you're, you're having to try and get all the parts as quick as possible so you can take off. I mean, that, that's what we, were, we walked into. And, you know, we, we did our best at that time to put together a team that can go out and compete Um, you know, so the transfer route was always an important uh part of that equation because of course we wanted to have a team to compete year one, but always your vision was we need to have the best team we can possibly have year two. And the way to do that, sit out transfers. And we took three and you know, I'm for me personally very happy with the selection of those three. They each have the size that we're talking about, the physicality. They have the athleticism that we want to play with um, and have within our, our, our guys on the roster. Um, they have skill set, and, you know, that's, that's what all you can ask for. I think they've all improved. Their bodies um, have evolved to the point where, you know, they're, they're Big Ten ready, um, you know, from a mindset standpoint. Clearly, I've learned coaches' system. That's only going to help them perform at the, the level we need. And, um, you know, the, the, the kid that always sticks out because, you know, the person with the ball in their hands the most is, is similar to, like, the quarterback that's the most talked about position. And Delano Banton's special. Um, you know, I've been around a lot of NBA players, and, you know, he's certainly uh, in the equation of someone that has a chance to be a really special basketball player for us. When you have that size and the ability he has to handle the ball, the vision, the IQ, um, it's special. Um, probably the, the, the most interesting part of his game is he never gets sped up. He plays at such a calm speed where he's always in control, and, and that's what you look for when you have somebody with the ball in their hands as much as he will. You know, we're, we're going to get to a point next year where we have multiple ball handlers, which is exactly, you know, the way Coach wants to play. That's when you start seeing your offense being lethal, like we all know it can be, as fans have saw snippets of it throughout the season. Um, so that's exciting. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces. You know, we get that. And um, we we also understand that uh, we're, we're having guys that have – proven ability that know what it takes to perform at a level like the big 10
3: with what you guys went through last year um i mean did that change how you view recruiting specifically in the big 10 i mean obviously i know you've been in the big 12 big east um was the big 10 any different um than maybe you had anticipated just in terms of the physicality uh that you know this conference is known for
2: You know what? No, it it didn't, because I I think we're always going to go with what we know works. And, you know, yeah, we're going to have the physicality to bang around next year. There's no question. You know, we're going to be able to have the ability to to out rebound teams instead of losing on the boards by 10 or 11, if not more. Um, But I, I will say this is I do think when you're building a team, you do have to look at what you value and ultimately statistically analytically you know the teams that are in the bottom let's say five or six of the big 10 in terms of rebounding aren't necessarily the worst five or six teams in the league not to say that that's what we're striving for but we're going to stick with what we know works which you know we we could we will be on the smaller end in some type of lineups and because in our, in our mind, they still have to stop us. And, you know, that's what always made our offensive uh, numbers lethal. And, you know, at Iowa State, you know, there were times where we started George Niang at the 5, a 6-7, you know, mismatch nightmare. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing against teams like Rutgers and Maryland and the rebounding margin is uh, not what it probably should be, usually points to the fact that so much about rebounding to us is effort you know, and it doesn't matter how big, small you are, you give that effort, you know, you're going to, you're going to come close in a rebounding battle. And that's, that's the one thing we're always going to strive for. I mean, clearly the size factor, you know, we were smaller, you know, we were probably um, a little too small, um, but that's why for us, our mindset was always year two on, on building for that. And we're going to have the size at one through five, all positions next year, to be able to bang with these teams and, uh, you know, that rebounding margin not be standing out as much as it, it did. So, I mean, but once again, to sum it up, our mindset will always be the same, and we want the five most skilled guys out there that can put the ball on the floor, facilitate, make shots. And uh, at some time, when you have that mindset, there are times where you, you do give up in some areas, and sometimes that area is rebounding.
1: All right, we're going to pick this back up as uh, we've got one more segment here with Nebraska basketball coach Matt Abdelmazi, assistant coach here, joining us on the show. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, our third segment here with Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi, coach um You know, a lot going on, um, and I wanted to specifically ask about recruiting here as we start Segment 3 with you. Um, Just what has been the response out there that you guys get from kids uh, when you talk to them about just the direction of the season, kind of where things are going uh, with the program and and what you're building here in Lincoln?
2: Yeah, you know what? Fortunately, you know, uh, the outcome on the court doesn't transpire necessarily to a lack of – interest from prospects all across the country you know when you have relationships that are built over a long period of time typically those kids and the people around them trust you know what you're saying and the direction we're headed in it's not my first rodeo with trying to drum up interest and and build a program going through it at two other uh schools and you know now this being my third one you know the, the biggest thing that you do uh throughout the year is you're always honest You know, when you get your butt kicked, you acknowledge you get your butt kicked and you start talking about why that specific prospect can change that and, you know, give them the vision, lay out that vision to them and and make them believe in in what you're building. And luckily for us, we have a lot of success to point towards in terms of building. And, you know, statistically, we played the way we wanted to this year. And that was something that we pumped out to – all these prospects, is that we're getting the shots we want. Unfortunately, we're not we're not converting at the percentage that we need to win at a high level. So that was the silver lining of the year is when you're playing the style that you want to play, which is a, a style that kids are attracted to, you know, you could point that and, you know, you're not fabricating or manipulating numbers. I mean, they could look at, look it up themselves. I always tell them that and you know, we're, we're putting our players in a position of success on the floor and, you know, we just weren't converting. So, you know, the message has always been really strong. You know, I'm, I'm really, um, excited about the interest that we've gotten from kids all across the country. I think we're in a really, really good place, you know, with the foundation of where we want to be right now. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, things once they get back to normal, will uh, and we get the entire team here, whenever that may be, you know, we'll we'll be excited about seeing that entire group together. So
3: obviously uh, the world of recruiting is kind of flipped upside down right now with uh, zero visits, in-person contact and yep. all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm you know writing tweets about guys taking virtual visits and, and all that stuff. We're, it's April now. We should be going into some live periods and that's off the table. Kind of just run us through what, The world of recruiting is right now in the coronavirus era, and what challenges and uh, you guys have faced, and how you've kind of navigated through the kind of some uncharted waters right now.
2: Well, you know, fortunately for me, there hasn't been many challenges. Um, You know, I the kids that I've walked in on and are far down the road with are kids that there was prior relationships and you know, feel really good about where those relationships are. Um, You know, the other thing is, is, you know, reputation wise with transfers, it allows us in the door um, to with with some of the best transfers in the country. and, And that also makes up for maybe the lack of not being able to step foot on campus. The other thing is, is the official visits for a transfer are somewhat overrated. Mm -hmm. You're talking about kids that are coming from schools that have great facilities and great setups. You know, they're not transferring because they want a better facility or, you know, they want a better weight room or better weather, whatever it may be. They're transferring because things didn't work out with the people, the coaches, you know, there's something off. And with that, um, the visits, don't really solidify you getting a kid because wow they're they're just impressed with the facilities it's that's not the case it's the relationships it's the trust that's the only thing that matters with the transfer process you can't screw this next decision up you better trust the next decision because if it doesn't work out you, you know you're in trouble and that's where i've i've been fortunate enough to thrive is building the trust of the kids and the people around them who clearly believe in that, um, you know, the vision that this is the place for them to catapult their careers. And, you know, it's worked for so many kids um, before, and it'll continue to work. You know, in terms of the daily life of how it's changed, yeah, I mean, sitting at home all day, there's only so many phone calls you can make. You know, the one thing it has done is I've never seen transfers have lists like they do now because I think majority of coaches are sitting at home board. So like, well, I might as well hit this kid up. That has made things definitely interesting. You have transfers cutting lists to 15 to 10, just that's never been done before with transfers. Um, A lot's because of what's going on. And I, I get it. I'm not being critical of it, but that certainly has changed things as well because transfers for the most part um, are a little bit more deliberate in their decisions because they're going to cut through a lot of the stuff that they realized wasn't maybe as important as when they were going through the high school process. But now it is a little bit like the high school process because now you're having 10, 15 schools like you were at a high school when you had all these offers and you're trying to decipher through what, what works and what doesn't for you. So that that's posed a little bit of difficulty when you have schools that don't really recruit transfers Um, to the level that you would expect are now involved with with these kids across the country. And your last point about the virtual tour stuff, I mean, every school is doing it different. You know, we're doing a lot of FaceTime watching, you know, style of play edits with kids, breaking down their game, breaking down how they fit. Um, And then when it comes to virtual tours, we're not walking around with our phone and showing kids the facilities. We have clearly an incredible – team here that puts stuff together for us to make our life easier. And this is even prior to what we're going through now that clearly very prepared in that virtual tour world where, you know, we were able to send out a lot of information to kids and um, you know, that's been very beneficial and received well with the information we can send out to these kids. So, you know, it's, I'm not diminishing, the challenging times. It's just that fortunately for me, you know, this is somewhat the world I've always lived in. I just literally, I I can't drive to Omaha, hop on a plane and and go meet with kids. You know, I'm just having to do it in my living room. And, um, that, that's the biggest thing that really has changed.
3: Kind of hoping uh, you'd be walking around with a selfie stick doing like a MTV Cribs style <laughs> tour. <laughs> Unfortunate. But yeah, so I, I, you mentioned... I, I'm not sure Fred
2: would enjoy that very much. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll keep it at what we've done. And it, so far, I think it's working.
3: Good. So you, you touched on this earlier about the one-time transfer rule and how that's kind of still up in the air um i guess what what are coaches hearing about that right now as to you know how it pertains to maybe this coming season and um Mm -hmm. next next part uh when i think it's a matter of when that thing gets instituted how does that change your guys's plan with recruiting transfers because i know it's always been ideally around two transfers per class for sit-out guys but if they don't sit out how does that kind of just change your whole operation
2: well, when it comes to when uh they're going to pass the the one time transfer uh waiver where these kids can play right away, I mean nobody knows there's a lot more important issues that I'm sure they're having to go through and and figure out and make decisions on and not to diminish that's an extremely important one, but I mean you're dealing with you know lives on the line that tends to be a little bit more important than transferring and and being able to play right away so we don't know i mean it seems like it keeps getting pushed back um i have no idea what that means or the likelihood of it whatsoever but there's just a lot of uncertainty but the thing is is that's nothing out of the norm there's been uncertainty about this transfer thing i feel like for a very long time now um and it just seems to get keep getting pushed back um you know ultimately for us i'm pro student athlete i support The freedom of movement, you know, as coaches, we're allowed to move if there's an opportunity we feel like is better for us and our families, you know, and a a kid should as well. Um, You know, I'm not a big person on looking at the transfer deal as a as an epidemic to the the level that a lot of people want to display. I mean, I, I do feel strongly that a lot of these kids are transferring for the right reasons that there's something off about where they're at and something maybe happens that they don't agree with. And, you know, if, if we're at a, a workplace and, you know, we, we don't agree with what's going on or the vision or our boss, you know, you, you have the right to move on to the next job and find something that could suit you a lot better. And I think that the kids deserve that opportunity. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, these are such important decisions that 18 to 22 year old kids are put in that literally dictate so much of their future in their basketball lives. And there's going to be things that go wrong with their decision that unfortunately, you know, they have to own and move on and, maybe learn from that decision and make it better for the the second decision you know there is a there's a group of kids that make the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons um and you know because of that should they really be penalized i mean at the end of the day you know people are going to go back and forth about that i would say the more old school people are completely against it um you know for me I, i think it's the right thing to do for these kids Um, how it changes my thought process. You know what? I'll change my thought process when it becomes a reality. You know, I'm not one to sit here and start thinking, what if this, what if that? You'll lose your mind if you do that. You know, when it becomes a reality, I'll change it. You know, my first take on it is I think that you'll have a lot of schools only fill 10 or 11 scholarships and always have one or two open um, because you're not going to go into a year with, you know, 12 13 eligible players. Um, you're not making all those kids happy. So, you know, for uh, for that standpoint in, in itself the roster management term is probably more prevalent, you know, one when, when and if that happens because I think you you do have to be uh, smart in, in putting yourself in a position where you're not uh, overextending yourself to where you have to, you have to make 12 13 at because it just it's not realistic. It's Never been proven that it, it can work, uh, making all those kids happy. So um, that that would be the, the difficulty with it. But, you know, like I said, we'll deal with that if, if and when it ever does happen.
1: Well, Coach, we really appreciate uh, the time uh, you, you took to, to really explain a lot of different things here. And let's do this again if we can um, here and in in maybe in, yeah. the, in the summer months.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Always uh, Always happy to come on, guys, and appreciate everything. Be safe out there.
1: All right, well, thanks again to Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi. When we come back on the show, we're going to move over to the mailbag as Grace Harmon and Nate Klaus will join the show. We'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, uh, joined now by Grace Harmon in studio – as um, taking her questions in the mailbag was great Robin first of all we didn't even get a chance to answer, but it was great to have Matt Abdelmazi on just talking about a number of different things there before uh, we got to the regular show here.
3: Yeah, especially given just how silent it had been since Indianapolis. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that you know people just don't know right now, so uh, he covered a lot of ground over three segments. We probably could have gone like two more at least uh, to get everything that was on our list. That was, that
1: was the first somewhat official interview anyone from the program has given since...
3: Yeah, Fred hasn't talked at all. I mean, he put out a, a tweet on Wednesday, just kind of giving like a statement, but um, you know he's done no public interviews and so um, you know really uh, as far as especially our local market I mean that's that's the first one since Indy
1: and Matt wanted to talk I mean there were a lot of things like he came to you He's like, hey mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of things we want to get straight out
3: because well, there. there's a lot of I mean you know people are like questioning the roster management and all the turnover and all that stuff and I think they wanted to kind of get out in front of it a little bit and explain what they're thinking and kind of uh, why they're going about it the way they are
1: all right well let's move on to the mailbag Grace uh, it's great to see you I know mm-hmm. you are enjoying quarantine life
4: uh, yeah, <laughs> enjoying. Yeah.
1: What are you watching? Are you wa- what? are you binging these days?
4: I've actually been trying to. Okay, a little controversial. I've been trying to read.
5: Ooh, nerd! I, <laughs> I'm just rewatching old
4: shows. I'm rewatching Friday Night Lights right now. Nice, so.
1: good pick. The, uh, the, the 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 sitcom. That's a good show. Yeah, the series. The yeah, series.
4: I've actually never seen the movie, but mm. really? I've seen the show. Like, Well, if that you're gonna times.
3: read, you should read the book. Okay. The book is better than anything, even the movie, but even the show. The books really good.
4: Is it based on the movie or is it based on the show?
1: The kind of movie book? is based on the book. Okay, fair. Yeah, the movies a little, the the book the series on TV is a little, little yeah, bit more. Yeah, it doesn't really
3: follow the script okay. at all. It's kind of a, a spin off. But uh, if you're wanting to read, uh, read read uh, the Blind Side or the uh, not, yeah the Blind Side too. That's oh, good that so, too. That's good. Friday, too yeah. Friday Night Lights <laughs> though that that's a that's a dang good read. All
1: right, Intern One. <laughs> let let's uh, let's get to the mailbag. What do you have?
4: All right, what's the over under on if Thomas Fedoni commits to the
1: Huskers? I'll let Nate go first on this one
5: the over under um, boy i, I mean I, I would probably go with a percentage and i would say a month or two ago i was i was uh, feeling pretty good um, i would probably well over 60 70% uh, now, I'm, I think it's more of a coin flip. I think, I think things may, be a little, may have evened out a little bit. Uh, now, Nebraska is in the top six, um, and he out of those top six schools, uh, the only places he's been to is Nebraska and Iowa, both five times each. So, uh, But I, I think you have to kind of worry about Michigan and Notre Dame. Once everything kind of gets back to normal, uh, I think a lot will hinge on how those eventual visits go. But I still like Nebraska's chances here. So, Nate, what's the money line? The money line to use proper f- okay, gambling. Yeah, so terms. I would I would go probably a plus one ninety. Oh, Nebraska.
1: Nebraska. What's ne- I? What's Iowa? Yeah, uh, who's the favorite?
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy, this is tough. You guys are put <laughs> putting my handicapping skills uh, to the test. Plus uh, one ninety. That's pretty good. <clears throat> it is pretty good. I, I I would probably say that Iowa is probably a plus two twenty. Uh, as as is um, as is Notre Dame and Michigan, I, I think Nebraska still has a slight lead. Nice, um, but uh, you know, I, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It, it's not gonna be easy. It's not a slam dunk. I'm not I'm not calling for Fidoni to be a commit to Nebraska by the end of May or anything like that. Uh, it's gonna play out a little 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 while, and, and depending on how you know this whole kind of dead period and, and coronavirus things plays out, uh, he could adjust his timeline. You know, he'd originally wanted to make a decision before the, the start of his senior year. And, um, you know, and we're getting into where we're in April now. And so, um, you know, I, I think that uh, with with official visits on the table here right, right now, uh, it could change a lot of what he's thinking going forward.
4: All right. Do you know how many players are still on campus and are they allowed to work out, go to the weight room, any estimations so
1: the weight rooms um shut down i know nebraska the 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 week before what was going to be unl spring break i was told that thursday um they officially closed it down for good so there was really only about a week where small groups could access the weight room Um, but as far as players that are still in town i mean that number fluctuates i think now that you know, spring break that week is over and online classes have begun more and more players have begun to trickle their way back to lincoln um but you can't um you know newcomers can't really be here i mean newcomers were living in student housing whether it's freshmen that are in their second semester or now the early enrollees so those are the kids that really don't have much of an option to, to come back because where would they live at this point with student housing? Now, Nebraska continues to provide curbside meals. Um, you saw Dave Ellis and his team. They put a really cool video together uh, with Husker Vision. And, you know, literally the cars drive up and they, they serve the, the food right to their car window and they go at that point. So they're doing what they can, but the online element of academics – I mean, kids are listening, uh, and you can attest to this, Grace. I mean, do you know, are students listening to full lectures right now on videos?
4: Yeah, I think a lot of students are having Zoom lectures is what the platform is called. Uh, I was just told by a coworker of mine that uh, they're doing Zoom labs. So they're, they're doing like internet labs, and he said it's horrible, but I mean they're trying to do, what they're trying to well, do. Well, the, the professors
1: mm-hmm. want people to get their credits because you're paying for them, mm-hmm. and the professors want to get paid. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going <laughs> to teach to to get paid for the semester. So, yeah, it's, it's not an ideal situation uh, for anybody. But um, if I had to put a number on guys in town, I would say probably roughly a third of the players are in Lincoln, if I had to guess right now.
4: All right. So which Big Ten teams does the shutdown hurt the most?
1: I think when you look at who it's hurting – well, Purdue right now has a new defense, so that's not good for Bob Diaco trying to install a brand new scheme um, with what they're trying to do there. Michigan State, though, and Rutgers, it's got to just be crushing for them right now because uh, Mel Tucker already got on the job late, um, and then all of a sudden this happens a month later. Um, Indiana's strength coaches left to go to Alabama to go work. Um, so think about what that's done. They were they didn't have a strength conditioning coach in place. And they had to kind of scramble to put plans together for players. So there are a lot of teams um, that are really struggling with this. I think Nebraska, teams that are established with their cultures and in year three, year four, and on, I think that that's where you have an advantage.
3: Yeah, and when you look at it just in a bigger picture and just athletic departments, obviously, I don't think the impact has been felt quite as much as if it would if this thing prolongs, obviously, into the fall. I mean, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on about um, what – the the football season could look like. And um, if there are games that are either, you know, the season's condensed or, um, you know, (laughs) worst case, they cancel the season entirely. I mean, there's no doubt that is be crippling to schools that are barely kind of operating above water right now, like in Illinois, or, uh, you know, like some of those schools that uh, are so reliant on that big 10 network TV money. Um, If that's off the table, I don't know how some of those athletic departments are going to function. There's going to be some major repercussions from it. Yeah, from
5: a recruiting perspective, I think the teams that it helps are are the ones that are kind of in kinda in, a, in a hotbed area or, or near a large population base where they've been able to have a lot of their top targets uh, on campus multiple times leading up to this dead period. Um, you know, you mentioned Rutgers as being kind of a uh, a team that it might hurt as far as the team goes. They've actually been recruiting extremely well right now. They're They've got ten commitments, uh, which is second most in the Big Ten right now, um, and, and some pretty good players. So, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're right there in New Jersey. They've had a lot of those kids on campus already, and everything. So, um, you know, I,
1: Ohio State's killing. Yeah, it and too. Ohio
5: State. Yeah, I mean that kind of goes without saying. But yeah, out of any every team in the country right now, Ohio State's probably recruiting at the highest level and has been kind of been able to capitalize on this the most. Uh,
1: we, we surveyed everybody in the Big Ten on how they're handling it, and one of the stories. And I, I kind of was interested in what Penn State's doing. James Franklin has said, hey, this is a challenge. Whoever takes advantage of this dead time better is going to have an edge. And you know, he kind of challenges team. We need to be better than everybody at home with these workouts. And players are posting videos and kind of motivating guys that, hey, I'm doing this, you better be doing this too. And I kind of like the approach Penn State took, um, you know, just trying to be more out front saying, hey, you know, this is not a vacation. Um, one of the schools, Indiana, um, with their new staff, they, they they wanted every player to take pictures of what kind of equipment they have at home. And then they developed nice. per- personal plans uh, for each player <laughs> based on. whatever things they had to work out with at home. Smart.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, you have to, you have no choice. And um, especially given all the different backgrounds people are currently in right now. I mean, resources are going to be expensive. I've tried to buy some, it's extremely expensive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so, I mean, you got guys that have nothing and are relying on just lifting stuff in their garage or something like that. So, uh, I mean, you gotta be as involved as you possibly can if you're a strength coach or a football coach.
1: Okay, final question, Grace, what do you have?
4: All right, something non-sports related to end with. What's been your go-to takeout restaurant during this whole period?
1: Momo. Um, we've gone there two Fridays in a row and Anthony and his get people there are phenomenal. And, and I was I went in there Friday to grab it inside and they had over 100 tickets laid out on the on the bar that already came in. Parker Gabriel from Journal Star told me he ordered from there and it was a 90 minute wait just because that's how many people um, were going there. They have a, a really, really big following and I was glad to see um, just how many people were doing the takeout from there. And you know, they don't normally do takeout. They're only a dine-in only place. They want you to enjoy the ambiance there. Um, so a lot of people have caught on to Momo and, and that's been our go-to so far. So
3: my birthday was last Thursday and I uh, got some Blue Orchid delivered love that place. And then uh, hit up my, my boys at Lazari's. Uh, they got some, some some fresh pie delivered. Yeah, that so, sounds good. Yeah. Love Lazari's. So That's so your spot. I'm trying to support uh, the local restaurants as much as
5: possible. Yeah, I'd say ours has been, uh, hell yeah, uh, Korean barbecue, uh, which is a really good spot on 33rd and Superior. We've gotten that a couple of different times. I uh, hadn't had it for a long time, but uh, kind of gotten back into it. What about you, Grace?
1: Uh,
4: there's this little Thai restaurant near my apartment called Blessing Thai Restaurant. Mm. Super good curry, green curry. It's my go-to.
1: All right, well, uh, support your local restaurants. It's really important, and hopefully, we're out of this here soon because um, you know a lot of a lot of places need to be back to normal. But Grace, thanks for coming in and joining us here today.
4: Yeah, thank you. All
1: right, when we come back, we will uh, close the show with some more recruiting with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, final segment here of the show, the segment brought to you by our friends here at Coogler Vision. Nate, tell us about the latest uh, going on here with Kugler Vision.
5: Yeah, Coogler Vision is, uh, you know, they're doing their best to, to flatten the curve. They have kind of shut down their operations right now and, and doing their best to social distance. But that does not mean that uh, they are ignoring your vision needs. you can uh, They're offering vi- virtual appointments appointments. Uh, you can go onto their website at com to uh, take a quiz to see what type of vision correction would be best for you. So when things get back to normal, uh Vision is going to be there to help you uh, seeing 2020 and
1: 2020. All right, Nate. Well, obviously things are shut down as far as organized activities go, workouts, spring practices. Um, but the one thing that we've learned <laughs> is not shut down. And that's really everywhere around the country is recruiting for football, especially. And, um, you know, teams are just maximizing this time, almost treating it like um, the spring evaluation period where they're not able to obviously get live evaluations. We're seeing a lot of 2022 offers go out. And Nebraska made a run this past week, Nate, on the quarterback position. Tell us more.
5: Yeah, it's it's been kind of interesting. I mean, this whole deal, you know, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to impact recruiting. Um, but, I mean, obviously they're not able to have kids on campus, which is a big deal. Uh, but at the same time, they have a lot more free time on their hands. They've been able to uh, to reach out. They're hitting the phones hard. They're texting. They're messaging. Uh, they're getting kids to call them, and um, and even working ahead. and And we've seen that this past week, Mario Verduzco has offered four 2022 quarterbacks already. Um, you know, and, and I think that uh, you know generally they like to see guys throw in person, but a lot of these guys are kind of the the no brainer type of quarterbacks. Uh, um, and and they've gotten a, a jump start on these guys, and and the early feedback from a lot of these players is that they're they're pretty inter- interested in Nebraska, and that um, you know they had great conversations with Mario Verduzco, and um, are really really intrigued by Nebraska. So you know, once the the restrictions are, are lifted, once this dead period is over, I honestly, wouldn't be surprised if we hear about a handful of these twenty twenty two quarterbacks visiting uh, at some point in time. So. Um, You know, that's kind of been one of the bigger developments that we've seen or bigger trends, I guess I should say, here over the last week or so.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk recruiting. And, Nate, when you look at the quarterback recruiting now for 2021 – um, where do things sit with Peter Costelli? Um, you know, Northwestern, I know he's a prime target for him, them as well. Um, I mean, do you have a read where they're at with him? And if they don't get Costelli, is it as simple as maybe Henrik Harburg from Carney Catholic is plan B? Do you know where they're at at that, at that spot for 21?
5: Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, it's kind of Costelli's at the top um you know he was one of the casualties to the dead period he was set to uh visit lincoln i think for the third or fourth time overall um, for that the big junior day that Nebraska had uh, scheduled and then the dead period was went into effect I think on that that Thursday before the the junior day or whatever it was so um, you know right now he's kind of in a holding pattern uh, and I think Nebraska not only is he at the top of of uh, you know their list I think that Nebraska is right towards the top of his list still uh, still very very uh, interested in the huskers but you know he's got 15 16 different offers uh, you know aside from Nebraska, too. And and you mentioned one in Northwestern, um, there's you know there's a handful of other places that that uh, are after him very very hard and he was planning on taking a, a handful of trips this spring and then hopefully having a decision sooner or later so um, you know he's he's not saying he's moving his timeline up or moving it back right now but uh, he is one of those players where I, I would anticipate you know this whole deal of you know impacting his uh, decision making process and in terms of exactly when he's going to do that but um, you know if never- Nebraska does not get Peter Costelli whenever he does decide to make a decision or, or cut his list or whatever. Um, You know, Henrik Harburg is definitely still very much in the picture. Um, The thing here though, is, I mean, Nebraska is wanting to see him throw in person before they extend the offer. And, um, uh, I know in our chat this past week, um, somebody asked, you know, what's the, what are the differences between Harburg and Costelli? Uh, and really, I mean, they, they compare pretty favorably. They're both big athletic guys. They can run very, very well. Uh, Costelli doesn't show it necessarily on film uh, as much as, uh, uh, Harburg does, but um, he—I mean—he's—he's a he's, uh, open one hundred guy uh, for Mission Viejo. He's—he's he's like the anchor leg on their four by one hundred team. Uh, he can move. Uh, I mean, he's an under—he's like a ten eight hundred meter guy or ten seven hundred meter guy at 6'3", 205 pounds. So uh, he can move extremely well, uh, and he's played at a higher level. You know, the competition that he faces out there uh, at Mission Viejo is—is is, uh, you know some of the best in the country. He's been. You know, he's got a quarterback guru so on and so forth so I, I think that he's a much more polished product right now but uh, at, at the same time I think they compare pretty favorably I think Harburg probably has a little bit of a higher ceiling at this point and um, you know and it may be just as simple as you know after Nebraska sees Harburg throw in person they say hey you know what um, we're going to offer and and whoever takes the that uh, that spot is is going to be the guy for 2021.
1: You know it is interesting though Nate just how when you watch Nebraska in the early quarter quarterbacks um nebraska offers you know when you go and see what these guys end up being ranked i mean a lot of times nebraska you know i go back to was it garcia um i mean that that he's arguably number one quarterback in the country right now and and nebraska offered him were they his first offer at that time they were the
5: second offer at, at that time um but yeah i mean right now he's he's arguably the the top overall top ranked quarterback in the country um and, and I mean Nebraska was right there on the ground level with him. Same with I mean Logan Smothers. I mean he had South Alabama and, and Nebraska offered him. Um and we all know what he became. Uh you know a, a rivals two fifty prospect. We're, we're talking about Costelli. And Nebraska was the very first team to offer Peter Costelli. And within a week's time, ten days time, uh he blew up had had close to ten offers uh, after the Huskers pulled the trigger. So, um I mean. Nobody evaluates quarterbacks quite like Nebraska does. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that the, they are the best uh, in the nation at, at identifying talent at the quarterback position, but they know what they want, they know what they're looking for, and Mario Verdusco does a fantastic job of of uh, you know pulling the trigger on these offers and evaluating these guys. And um, you know, we have not, we've yet to see somebody that they've offered that is kind of kind of been like a head scratcher, or, or kind of fizzled out or, or not really reached the, the level of, of uh, you know, big time offers that, that we've seen.
1: And recruiting too. I have a lot of respect for that, Nate, because I feel like recruiting has become a copycat game mm-hmm. where you just say, Oh, they offered, well, we better offer. And, and you may not even really truly do a full eval of a guy. You just offer because that team offered and that team offered. And that's where I give, Frost and Verduzco a ton of respect on the quarterback side because they aren't afraid to be the first guy in the school to ask a girl out. They're not going to wait until somebody does it first. They want to be the first guy. Then everybody else follows when the cool guy asks a girl out. Everybody else wants to ask a girl out. They, they want to be that first person and – it mattered with Smothers, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, you know, it mattered with Martinez to an extent because they wanted him for so long at Central Florida before he ended up coming to Nebraska with them. So I, I do really respect that approach.
5: Yeah, you, I mean, you have to. Um, and sometimes it takes guts to, to be that first one to offer uh, because the natural question always is, well, How come, how come no one else has offered this kid already? You know, we love him and we like everything about him, but how come no one else has done it? What do they know that we don't know? Exactly. (laughs) And so, um, but they, they are strong in, in their convictions as far as what they're looking for and they know what they like. And, Um, and like you said, I mean, it's, it makes a huge difference. Logan Smothers, not only were they the, the first big time school to offer, but they were then able to say, Hey, look, this is what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be about 10 other schools that all of a sudden start knocking on your door and wanting to talk to you. Um, you know, and out of those 10, about five of them are going to offer immediately. And you know they're all going to want you to visit campus uh, as soon as possible. And uh, you know, and, and then they, you know, when when Smothers eventually committed, they said, okay, well, uh, now that you've committed, you, you're still going to get all this attention, and there's going to be schools telling you to back off your commitment, or still take a visit, and it won't hurt to visit. And I mean, they were able to like predict the future with Logan every step of the way, and everything that they said was going to happen pretty much did happen exactly the way they said it was going to. And um, and that only kind of strengthened things with with smothers uh because they were they believed him in him first and then they were so open and honest about how everything was going to play out um that you know as it all unfolded they said well geez these guys know um i mean they're they're on top of it so um yeah as far as quarterback recruiting i think that's probably the one position uh out of out of everything that you you just don't have to worry about at at Nebraska under Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco. I I think that they're always going to get their guy, um, and they're always going to have a lot of talent in that room.
1: All right. Well, thanks again um, earlier in the show to Matt Abamazzi for joining us here on the show and to Grace Harmon, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. promise we'll be back again next week as uh, we'll get you through everything that's going on and and try to bring some Husker news into your life here every week. Make sure you do log on to huskeronline.com. Support our site as uh, we will keep you up to date on everything um, with recruiting and kind of what's next with COVID-19.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.